Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yes, of course, Russell wants to. I mean, all sex addicts that are ready to give up their addiction want to improve their sense of self esteem. So, Thank you so much for being a part of the show. You may notice that I'm sounding a little nasally. You know, if my calamity last week wasn't bad enough, I made the mistake, or maybe I didn't. But I talked about having broken my L1, 2, and 3, and four ribs. And then the very next day, I get a sore throat that morphs into the worst cold ever. Moving into laryngitis. Now, can you imagine me having laryngitis? And, of course, what am I doing? I'm presenting three days of training information with one other person in Cincinnati, Ohio, about uh, two hours away from Indianapolis. I can't talk. I can barely, you can barely hear me. And, of course, Whenever you're feeling vulnerable and you're feeling less than, the first thing you need to do is share that with community. Share it with people that are going to understand, who won't judge, and it'll give you grace. So that's what I did. And I was working with a group of clinicians and coaches from APSAC, training them on the partner-sensitive model with one of my favorite people, Dr. Barbara Steffens, who wrote Your Sexually Addicted Spouse with Marsha Means. And you know what? I plugged on through it. Uh, I don't know how I did, but I did. And then, of course, I got done with the training on Friday night. And yesterday, my voice was more like this. Today, it's been the same. 
but it's certainly, it sounds nasally cold-like, but it is not laryngitis. So for that, I am very thankful. Now, you all know that November is the month to really pay attention to giving thanks. And I really do look at ways of asking myself what is working because that keeps me grateful. When I think to myself, not what is not working, but what is working. Now, it's important for each and every one of you, whether you're a partner, whether you're an addict, whether you're an addict in good recovery, whether you're an addict who's listening for the first time because perhaps he or she is absolutely activated, not wanting to give the addiction up, but no longer wanting to live the life they've always lived. Even for you, it's important to say, hey, what is working in my life? It's not only a coping skill, but it's an incredible life skill. And I'm a big believer in it. So despite the fact that I was coughing up my my lungs last night and couldn't get any sleep, actually left the bedroom to go sleep somewhere else so that my husband could get some sleep. And uh, I'm not a proponent of that. I just watched a special that said that that marks a very healthy couple that can separate like that and and get their basic life um, support, i.e. sleep. Uh, And I get that. That's not how I want to do it, but I did it. And I'm glad I did because I got a better night's sleep not worrying about worrying him. Do you ever do that? You worry about what it would be like if your worst thought came true. You and I both know we allegedly have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are the same thought every single day. And they usually have to do with, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, And those thoughts don't move you into anything positive. So instead, you need to do what I call realistic affirmations. And as one addict said to me tonight, he's really been doing a lot of slipping and sliding. Um, And he's done so much of it, he's activated his brain, and he doesn't really want to give it up. And he said, well, I just feel like such a failure. What's the use? And I said to him, as did several other people that he shared those thoughts with, you know what? You've got so many things going for you despite your slips. And if you just give in to this addiction 100%, you're going to go down the tubes. And as Patrick Curran says, you're going to be miserable or you're going to die, one or the other. Addiction never brings good things. Maybe some temporary relief, maybe a quick dopamine high or hit, but it never brings good things. And, you know, can't endorse it, can't endorse for any reason. I mean, he even tried to rationalize and say, 
So now he no longer has these ruminating thoughts because he is back to not a little bit. And I say, well, no. I guess I can't say it. I could say it, but I won't say it. No blank, Sherlock. The truth of the matter is if he's getting his fix, he isn't going to have the ruminating thoughts because the addict and the fix both think he can get those now 24-7. So what have you deluded yourself into? We all do that. We all delude ourselves. We all create semi-illusions that fit our temporary need for gratification. I can really vouch for that. I did it this last week, um, and it had to do with my broken back and my broken ribs. When I worked at a children's hospital back in the 80s, one of our mottos was, get those kids up and running and living as normal of a life as possible. And somehow, someway, somewhere, I integrated this into my life. So now fast forward. I'm two weeks out from having broken three bones in my back um, and four fractured ribs. And what do I do? I do whatever I can that was like my old routine because the doctor said I could. But when I really sit still and think about things, I should be laying flat on my back when I'm not at work and resting. But that's not how I want to show up. I don't want to miss anything. And so I continue to stay in the denial of, well, if I can do it, it's okay. Doesn't that sound a little bit like you? As a sex addict, didn't you say things and delude yourself to believe, well, what he or she doesn't know won't hurt them? Or, I have a right to have fun too. Or, this is no big deal. Everybody does it. Or, well, if I could get more sex, maybe I wouldn't have to go out in the streets. Those are all rationalizations and justifications for what we want when we want it, that need for immediate gratification. And so I'm I'm in your camp right now because there's a part of me that didn't want to slow down and thought I could do it and stayed up late for my birthday or went out with my friends for the first time to play top golf, although I wasn't that stupid. I didn't play top golf. But the temperature was like 38, 40 degrees because you're really outside even though you're inside. And that had to be the absolute worst thing for my cold. Okay, I wonder if you could make a list of five things that you do that absolutely 100% is not healthy. As a matter of fact, it's a delusion. Can you think of it now? Is there something that you do often that contributes to unhealthiness? 
You know, if you've worked with me before, you know that I always say, um, in a relationship, we either contribute towards it or we contaminate it. So what do you do? How do you do it? And what would be a better choice? Hey, I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and it's all about choices. You know, when you were in active addiction, you may not have known what to do to get healthy. And you could say to yourself, well, I don't know how to stop. This is uncontrollable. I can't stop. I won't stop. But once you've been exposed to the recovery tools, wow, it makes all the difference in the world. Because now you can no longer use the excuse that you didn't know what to do. Now, tonight, I am going to be talking to Teresa. And Teresa has an amazing story that she's going to share about what it was like for her to be married to a sex addict and what constituted the need for them to get a divorce and what coping skills did she use to get to that place and what did she learn about addiction and more importantly about herself. So Teresa, welcome to the Sex Help with Carol the Coach Show. Yes. Hi, Carol. Thank you. Absolutely. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I know I have a nasty cold, and I'm not, yeah, I can hear you just fine, Teresa. Okay. So tell me and our listening audience a little bit about your life. You start anywhere you want to start. Okay. Um, Well, I have, I guess, now two children, um, first Mm -hmm. and second graders, and... um, yeah, I'm a teacher, and I, I guess, just, I guess I'm just adapting to my new normal now as a single um, mom. So. Well, so did you know about your ex-husband's addiction before you even married him? Um. Well, I remember when we were engaged, we went shopping at one point right a few months before we got married and at a Christian bookstore we had just gone I think it was closing and they had you know good deals on the books so we were like hey let's go in here to a Christian bookstore and I remember him picking out a book and it was I don't remember the name but it was a book on porn addiction um and I had known him at that point since middle school we had you know not dated since then but I had known him since then and it was my first hint at him having any sort of problem with porn and I asked him at that point if he struggled with it and he told me that he sometimes did he admitted that and then I got really upset at that point um and then he just told me well I'll stop because I see how much it hurts you and I was young and naive to what porn addiction really was. So I believed him, and we were married about two months later. Um, I assumed he was telling me the truth because he was our 
church's worship pastor at the time, and surely he wouldn't lie. So. Okay, so you so, made yeah. this assumption. Let me just check this out. I mean, because obviously you asked the hard question. You said, do you struggle with it? And he was honest enough to say, yes, he did have some struggles. But after mm-hmm. that, yeah. it was really like he kept that from you. He didn't talk about those struggles. And you were young and you just didn't know and you figured he wouldn't lie, especially with his position in the church, correct? Yes, 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 that's correct. I just assumed that, okay, he's done. It's We're good. Everything's good, <laughs> you know. Okay, so at what point in your marriage did you realize that your ex had a sexual addiction? Um, Well, it was about three years into our marriage, or almost three years into our marriage, and our son was about six months old at the time. And each night I would go upstairs to check on my son, our son, and then head to bed always a little before my husband went to bed, I would go to bed and so my now ex was still downstairs and as I was trying to fall asleep I just kept thinking or I felt like something was telling me to sneak back downstairs it was like I knew that I needed to sneak downstairs because I guess I thought I was going to catch him some doing something um, and then now I believe that God was leading me or prompting me to do this so I slowly crept down our stairs at the time and sure enough I walked right into the room to find him using pornography and all of my intuition before this moment had told me something was wrong in our marriage and like I I guess things such as I would find inappropriate searches on Facebook um, co-workers that he worked with YouTube there were various you know just various searches on on the internet really um and then but for some reason it all just came to me at that point that this was bigger than I had ever dreamed it was and I was devastated and at that point I didn't eat much at all I just wasn't hungry and in just a few weeks I lost 15 pounds um and just became really unhealthy yeah I bet you did and so I'm going to ask you, obviously that was traumatic to see that he was really looking at things that he shouldn't have been. I've got two questions for you. One is, how did he handle being discovered? What was his response? Um, At that, that time, he, or at that point, he was just very apologetic at first, um, and continued to be apologetic um, for most of, I guess, for that night until I think it was maybe the next night or next day, you know, not like pretty soon after that when I wanted to have more of a conversation, it was quickly shut down as all guys have this issue and it's not that big of a deal. And he started to minimize it pretty quickly. I can't exactly remember, but it was, I mean, it was definitely pretty quickly, maybe the next day, that, you know, the remorse just was not, it did not last, or the fake, you know, repentance or fake remorse was not lasting. It was just, yeah, it was just to appease me for that night, I felt like, and then the next time, or the next night, I was like, oh, well, I guess he's not really, you know, I started to feel like, oh, he's not really sorry. 
Okay, so there you are, and he seems very remorseful, but it lasted less than 24 hours. And that had to be incredibly scary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you had to wonder, who did you marry? You know, who is this guy? Exactly. Okay, so... Then my second question is, or was, um, did it did it end up reflecting badly on you? Did you at some point after discovery think, what's wrong with me? Aren't I enough? I'm not good enough. You know, those kind of uh, self-doubt questions. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember, um, yeah, very, I mean, Tons of thoughts just filled my head, and I mean, very soon after, I was comparing myself to other women and thinking, you know, what do I not have that they don't have, and you know, what what could I have, you know, and and I did, I brought it on myself, like, do I need to lose weight? And of course, it was like six months after I had had my son, and so of course, I was already struggling with body image and. Um, you know, just having that extra weight anyways. And so, yeah, it was a struggle for sure. Just um, I brought a lot of it on myself at that point. Yeah, you did, Teresa. And at the same time, you didn't know what else to think. I mean, sex addiction Mm -hmm. isn't easily talked about, and that's what we're doing tonight is we're talking about it so listeners can understand from a partner's point of view, how that affected her. And also, if it's partners that are listening to the show, they can know they're not alone. So I'm going to ask you, what did you do to cope with living with the sex addicts at that time when he was in denial and he was justifying and he was minimizing and rationalizing? Yeah, um, I quickly began to attend a group that I don't know how I heard about it. It was not even the church that I was attending. I believe someone from the church I was attending, actually, I think that's what it was, recommended a group for women who had been betrayed or who had either spouses or significant others with sexual integrity problems. I think is how they worded their sex, sexual integrity issues, I believe. Um, and it was a just a very small group of women who met every week and we would go through either I think there were even some maybe Patrick Carnes books and just various books that were well known I think on the topic and um, for partners though or for for women um, that had been betrayed and we just sometimes we didn't go over the book if there was a need you know if someone wanted to talk about what had been going on or what was in their heads or just what they were struggling with. And I, it just became a lifeline, that group, for like the first part of, you know, after, I guess, Z-Day or whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure what to call it, Discovery Day, I guess. That, that group was initially just a lifeline for me. Um, and then I just, I really dove into starting to read books on every, I just, I like to have knowledge. Knowledge is power, I guess, for me. And so, and I'm a reader. And so I started 
I read a book, Lori Hall, An Affair of the Mind. I remember reading that, and that was very helpful. And then some of Patrick Karn's books just to, or one of his books at least, I can't remember, but just to understand, like, what is this struggle and how, you know, just am I going crazy? I guess I said I was making sense of the crazy um, because I felt like I was spinning and just, I felt, you know, he was making, I felt like my ex at the time was making me feel like I was crazy. Um, and I also attended um, a workshop by New Life, and Sherry Keffer was a leader in that um, at the time, and it was also for women who were betrayed. Or, and that was, I mean, I'm still in contact with at least one of the ladies that was there. It was just a workshop to understand the struggle and um, to understand what it was, you know, what it meant to be betrayed. And um, Well, and you really, you sought out some of the best. Obviously, Patrick Carnes is uh, the guru of sexual addiction, and you probably read his Out of the Shadows, which is one of his oh. classics. His, his daughter, of course, wrote Mending the Shattered Heart, which was about partners, and oh, I think I read I that love, one, too, yes. Yeah, and I love that you read um, An Affair of the Mind, because that's Lori Hall, who is here in Indianapolis, believe it or not. Um, and really? And she is the president of an organization that's partner-sensitive called APSAP. So Lori okay. uh, replaced Dr. Barbara Steffens, who wrote Your Sexually Addicted Spouse. Oh, okay. Wow. And then last last but not least, just to let people know in case they're looking for resources, Sherry Kepper, Dr. Sherry mm-hmm. Kepper's book, Intimate Deception, is yes. also incredibly helpful in both normalizing partners' feelings and also educating them about what's going on in the head, in the body, and you know, just the mind, because this can yes. really cause a lot of trauma. Yes, yes, and I, I, I think her that book's rather. I do have that book too, and I've read. I think I've read most of it, but I've heard her story, um, and I just, I love her. That just her story and her books and her mission too. So, yeah. Well, absolutely, and you know, obviously, you were given some bad advice too. I mean, I know that we talked, yes. and you had said that. Teresa, some people within the church said, oh, go back to him and and be there Mm. for him. And I mean, they really weren't taking your feelings into account. They they really felt like you must not have been loving enough or showed him enough affection. Somehow this thing was turned against you. Yes, yes. Um, I also, yes, I went to personal counseling for myself. Um, and I, you know, I required or asked for my, for my husband at the time to attend couples counseling quite a few times. Um, but we went to multiple counselors and there were a few that were okay, but most, um, did not, were not helpful. Um, and, you know, during some of the sessions it was, 
you know, or most of the sessions, it was, it seemed like my ex somehow would turn it on me somehow. Like I wasn't loving enough or wasn't showing him affection the way he wanted. And, um, you know, just basically I made him vulnerable to these things. And so many of the counselors would just be like, submit to him more, you know, the biblical like submission or whatever, or respect him more, like the love and respect book was recommended. I don't even know how many times, and I'm sorry if uh, I don't, probably shouldn't say specific books, but just these, all these things like try harder. I felt like I was just being given this message, try harder and the marriage will work and forgive and stop holding on to so much resentment. I was told by, you know, mentors and counselors and pastors. Um, And I even had one leader at a church tell me if my husband wasn't physically harming me, then it wasn't that bad. And, you know, all guys struggle with lust in some way. And so like very minimizing, (laughs) like I still, you know, that still sticks out in my mind as one of the most hurtful things that I had heard. And um, one counselor told us at one point that we were both lying. He thought we were both lying during our couple's counseling session. Um, but, you know, in my, I guess in the, some of the counselor's defense, my ex was very good at playing the victim or acting as though he had rededicated his life to Christ and, or, you know, rededicating his life to serve God and, then he, you know, at home all the while, he was, you know, I could see that he wasn't truly changing and he would go to, you know, worship every Sunday and leave the church and then come home and decompress and look at porn. I mean, he admitted that at one point that Sunday night was his night. So I don't know. It's just, it was just very, a lot of bad experiences um, of people that just were not educated. I don't believe on you know, the the deceit and the things that were going on behind the scenes and the financial, I mean, financial control, there was all of that was going on as well and um, and porn. But, and only, I felt like I was going crazy because only I could see, like, I had the front row seat to it all. Um, and it took me years to wake up to that, you know, it's not my fault what he's doing and I can't fix this by being better. Um I was striving to look better after two pregnancies. I ended up, my daughter was born 18 months after my son. I tried to be a better homemaker. My husband would often say, my husband at the time would say, I wish, that he wished I was like the other pastor's wives at the church and, you know, how they can work and keep their home in order and you don't even work and you should be lucky to stay at home. You know, all those things was what I would hear. And so I'd try to, make the home look nicer, and I kept going to counseling and reading every book in the world that I could think of that was to do with marriage or sex addiction and all of the above. And um, so I did do a lot of personal growth, um, but all of that striving did not fix the marriage, and it took me a while to realize that it wasn't going to. So you worked really, really hard on yourself, and you were hoping that it would have positive effects on the marriage. And I get that because I tell people just in normal situations, it really only takes one person to change a relationship. And in normal situations, that's absolutely true. However, 
you weren't fighting just one person. You were fighting a person who is in active addiction. And nobody can fight that addiction if the person with the addiction isn't willing to come totally and 100% honest. So I kind of want to fast forward about six years from D-Day to to last summer or fall because those those months were really pivotal for you. Tell our our listening audience, how did you get from wondering what was going on in your marriage to divorced this past August? Yes, then I guess a lot has happened in a year. Um, So last, I guess it was a little over a year, last summer was about, it was around the end of the summer. I was just, I felt like I was at the end of my rope. My health was not doing well. I was starting to lose weight and not sleeping well again um, like I had in the past when I really struggle. I tend to not eat as well and sleep as well and so I um, also at this time was continuing to catch off and on, you know, we'd go months at a time where I was like, oh, I haven't caught him in a lie or in something, <laughs> which now thinking back is crazy. It's like, no, I should go a long time without catching him in lies. And But at the time I was like, oh, well, it's been months not catching him in lies. Like maybe we're doing well now. <laughs> that was my thought at the time. And um, still I would find random searches of his female coworkers on Facebook, which always made me uncomfortable, but, you know, if I brought it up to him, I would be told that I was overthinking things, and he was just curious about these people, and, you know, he searches for guys too, not just women. There was all these, like, you know, ballot, you know, minimization and trying to explain away what he was doing. Um, and then also last summer I caught him smoking pot in our garage um he thought he plays in a band and i don't know he i guess he tried it at one point i had already known that he tried it at some point with some of the band members and told him i'm not okay with it being in our house i don't you know we have kids i don't want that to be a part of our life and then i caught him like a few like a month later after i had we had had that conversation and he had told me you know this won't happen but sure enough he was doing it behind my back Um, and then around that time, I also found out he had opened his own bank account without my knowledge for who knows what, I don't even know to this day why. And then he admitted that he had slipped and started looking at porn not long after all of that. Um, and around that time I told him I wanted a separation. We were in counseling, but Again, this counselor I didn't feel like was helpful suggested we do an in-home separation because he said, like this counselor thought, for the kids it's better that we just do an in-home separation. Um, But I felt like this was not working, Um, but I tried it. I did agree to try it. My ex just escalated, though. At this point, he started blaming me still for all the problems, continued to blame and denied that he even had a problem still, said it wasn't really a sex addiction. Um, And I asked him to move out because I was tired of living like this, Um, but he refused. And so I ended up putting a hotel lock, I don't know what to call it really, but a lock on the inside of my door and told him that the next time he kept me up because he was keeping me up at night too. Um, talking to me or blaming me, just he was just keeping me up late at night sometimes to do these to t- 
talk to me about these things. And um, so I told him the next time he does that, I will call the police and lock this door. And so um, not long after that, I did end up also um, filing for divorce. So that was in March of this, the beginning of this year. And because I just realized that this was not changing. (laughs) And at that time, he finally, I guess, it was only just a few months into the whole process, but maybe a few months before the divorce was final, he finally said that he had been looking at porn the whole time. And he finally just admitted that um, he had never really stopped looking at porn. Um, So he had literally, I guess, been lying to me and gaslighting me for almost a decade for our marriage. <laughs> so that is something I even to this day struggle with. Wow, how can, you know, someone lie for that long? But, you know, it happened. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, that that is such a sad story. But what I hear you saying is that When you became sick and tired of being sick and tired and when you decided enough is enough, you knew you had to create a better life for yourself, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so so now let's fast forward again to the last summer and fall. Um, You decided that you were going to ask for a divorce. And did you confront him about that and say, this is what I'm going to do? Or did he get served papers without having any actual um, indication that you were going to do it? Um, Well, the only way, I'm trying to think of exactly how it happened, but he did know before the papers were actually served, I think because I had taken, oh, this is why, because I had taken some money out of our joint account to make sure that I had enough to file um, to retain my attorney at the time. So um, when I did that, he questioned and was like, why did you take all this money out? And so at that point, I just told him because I didn't, you know, I, there was, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I wasn't going to lie. And so he, uh, I remember his reaction was just really like, okay like it was like I don't know it was it was like emotionless at that point at least like just okay this is what you want okay you know and so it was a really odd I just remember it was a really it was over the phone but it was a really odd reaction and then um after that he he kind of was just like oh I'll try and I'll change and um but he was that's the thing is like he he vacillated and so he would go from, it's all your fault to, oh, but I'm going to try and let's try now. And towards the, I guess, when it was really getting real <laughs> towards, you know, when August is when it was finalized past August is when he started to be like, oh, now I'm ready to change. And I was just like, I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I'm just, I'm done at this point. I can't. I don't believe you. I don't believe a word you say. And so it was just, I was done at that point. <laughs> so. Well, and I get that. And certainly that's what I meant about being sick and tired of being sick and tired or when you know enough is enough. 
So I'm, I'm yes. going to ask you, how are you doing in terms of current day today? Because we're getting ready to move into the holidays, and there's always a transition. It is always difficult to separate and divorce. So yes. how are you finding healing for yourself? Um, well, first of all, I'm so grateful I found you. I know you walked me through some of the stuff as part of this journey. I heard you on one of my many <laughs> podcasts, and I was like, oh, she's in Indianapolis, which, you know, is, I don't know, somewhat close to home. I won't say where I am, but I was still able to Zoom. You know, I did it. We did it online, but I was—I liked the fact that I knew if I needed to drive to you, it was a decent, um, wasn't too bad of a drive. So, and I had heard you, and I just loved—I just knew you could help me, and I'm so grateful that we had quite a few sessions when I was just—I was so depressed, and um, I was—it was actually last winter when actually all of this was starting, you know, before we even separate or when we started the separation and then the divorce. But, you know, that was just, I just needed that direction that you gave me to, you know, to just to, I don't know, just to talk through everything and realize like, you know, my life, even though it's changing, it's not, it's not over. And um, there are ways, there are things that I can do medication and some natural healing that I've done to um, to help and exercise that you, you know, exercise and all those things that are good for health. You just kept me, I guess it was the coaching part of it maybe, but just kept me accountable for that. And I just, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and Well, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. And so do you regret? having made the decision to call it quits? No, no. I I feel, even though it's still hard, it's, it's a change, you know, and it's it's hard when you're going, I guess, when I'm, as I'm going through with my children and just to see, you know, the effects that they are in therapy, which has been great. And, um, but it's still hard, of course. And, but I do feel a lot of freedom at the same time. It's just, I'm free from wondering when I'll be betrayed again. I'm free from wondering when the next lie will happen, you know, when I'll get a, when when I'll be gaslit again or when he'll lie to me. Um, And I feel free to spend money without being badgered or lectured on what I'm doing with it. Um, And I don't, I just find myself like, I don't compare myself to women so much anymore. I don't have to, I guess it's like not my circus, not my monkey anymore. I just don't have to, I don't have that worry anymore of, oh, I wonder if if my husband is lusting after that, you know, woman or coworker or friend or, you know. I just have a lot of freedom and I've been attending a Bible study each week and I guess, yeah, just I feel like God's really provided me with the job and the needs, even though money's tight, just the needs that I have at the time, right now, and that's made the transition way easier. Well, I get that, and, you know, what I really know to be true is that you're a hard worker, and when you had had enough, 
you knew that it was time to do something different. And so now it should be all about intentional self-care for you as well as building an ongoing community. So let let me ask you, um, are you, oh, I would say, are you creating a lifestyle that you want for you and the kids? Yes, I'd say I'm beginning to. I'm still in the beginning stages just, I guess, because, you know, I was a stay-at-home, actually homeschool mom before, and so jumping into a career, and now my kids are in full-time, or I'm a full-time worker, and my kids are in school, public school. So all of those transitions in one have been just kind of like we're just surviving the day. (laughs) So um, at the end of the day, I don't have a lot of energy besides, um, you know, making dinner, doing homework, and going to bed. (laughs) So I feel like I'm still in the beginning stages of what's my new normal and how's that going to look, but I, um, as I've become more, a little more public with my story, not too public, but, you know, I guess Facebook or just a little bit with my friends, with friends, I have been able to encourage some other women who have come to me and said that they um, are also struggling with the same thing in their marriage or similar things, and um, so I just, I enjoy being able to talk, even though I hate that, you know, there's a sisterhood of that pain. I like, I hope to continue to be a light to others that are in the same struggle. Oh, well, that's excellent because that's really giving back. And anybody who's ever attended a 12-step group knows that that 12-step is about being that light and being a guide and, and containing all those feelings and providing support. Mm -hmm. So, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your story with us tonight. And uh, I'd like to catch up in a couple of years on the radio and find out what incredible things you're doing and, you know, what you've learned having um, broken free from somebody's addiction. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Absolutely. You are an amazing woman. So make it a good week, and again, I have to say, I can't thank you enough for doing this interview and being there for our listening audience, be it men or women. Thanks again, Teresa. All right. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay, so that's the partner who's been through it and didn't make it. You know, we always try to keep couples together, but it is not always in the best um, interest of somebody to stay with an addict who is lying or gaslighting or just not coming clean, not ready to come clean yet. And, of course, for anybody else, I got to tell you, many a couple has gotten divorced only to remarry once sobriety really occurs. So I appreciate her story. And before I go, I want to tell you guys about a phenomenal opportunity. I'm not kidding you. Um, It is being provided by coaches in the UK. And I have been amazed at they don't have a lot of services, so the coaches are getting together and providing services 
to the country. Richard B., who is a recovering addict, contacted me and said, you know, he said, Carol, we want to use Help Her Heal here in the U.K. to start a workbook group, a 16-week workbook group. And they wanted my permission to use the book. Well, of course, I said, anytime, anyway, anyhow. Love that you're going to use the book. So this group is going to start on the 19th of November, November 19th. It's 7 to 9 p.m. UK time. So that actually means it's five hours earlier. So that would be 2 to 4 p.m. United States time, Eastern Standard Time, I should say. And the participants are going to work through the book, do the exercises, share thoughts and experiences, and learn how to help their partners heal. And Richard wanted me to extend this invitation to you. So if you want to be part of the 16-week workbook group doing that incredible Help Her Heal, (laughs) you know, that's the book I wrote on an empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. It is, I I can't talk price over the phone, but it's incredibly reasonable. And all you have to do for more information is go to www.nakedtruthrecovery.com and then forward slash workbook dash groups. I mean, I think if you just get to the website, it'll be pretty self-explanatory. Again, it starts on the 19th of November. And that website, again, is www.nakedtruthrecovery.com nakedtruthrecovery.com forward slash workbook dash groups. I would highly recommend that you join Richard and his group. He says right now it's pretty small, um, but he is committed to doing it. It's a pilot project. They said this is the first time they've ever done anything like this, but they love the book. And Richard is so partner sensitive. He is a coach and he I'm going to actually get online and, and talk to the guys for a little bit and then get back on at maybe the 15th or 16th week and answer any questions anybody has. So I'd highly recommend that. Um, it's a chance of a lifetime to go through a workbook study group online and learn how to help your partner heal. So again, that's www nakedtruthrecovery.com and you know you can always get my online course by going to Sex Help with Carol the Coach and looking for the Help Her Heal online course. It's not like Richard's. It's not interactive but it is an online course that you can take and kind of go through at your own speed. So there are two resources if you have a partner or you had a partner, or you want a partner, um, and you're and you're dealing with your addiction. Okay, I'm gonna go because I'm going to rest now, and hopefully next week my voice is gonna be back to normal. I so appreciate you, but then you knew that, and we'll catch you next week for more sex help with Carol the coach.
So, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself, and we'll catch you next week.